Today's episode is brought to you by Pale Horse Media Co. Head on over to www.palehorsemedia.co for more of your favorite shows, books, and merch. I have two brand new releases for you over at Pale Horse Media Co. The first one, In His Name, My First Dive Into Fiction. It is just a fun, cool thriller if you're into that kind of sort of thing. And and we have the second expanded edition of the original, of the OG Safety Sucks, the bullshit and the safety profession they don't tell you about. I go through, I expand on some thoughts, add some bonus material, reflect on some of the chapters. So if either of those sound like things you should be interested in, again head over to www.palehorsemedia.co CO or find them on your Amazon marketplace. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for all of your support of the books of the podcast of the merch store of everything. It truly means the world to us. This, this, this show is brought to you by safety FM. The hop nerd podcast is brought to you by hop University. Head on over to hopuniversity.org. That's hopuniversity.org. We offer on-demand and in-person hop training, speaking engagements, one-on-one coaching for safety professionals, and consultation to organizations for all things safety better. Again, head over to hopuniversity.org. O-R-G. Today's episode is also brought to you by Safety Sucks, the bullshit in the safety profession they don't tell you about, aka my first book. You can pick up a copy over at safetysucks.net if you want a signed copy. It's also available on Amazon through Amazon Prime. You can get a Kindle version of that. You can also head over to Audible or iTunes and get an audiobook version. Again, today is brought to you by Safety Sucks. Head over to safetysucks.net or pick up a copy wherever you find books or audio books. Hello! Howdy! Hi, everybody. Sam Goodman, the Hop Nerd, bringing you another episode of the Hop Nerd Podcast. Man, oh man, we've been putting a lot of these in the books, and thank you. Thank you so very much for continuing to hang out, for continuing to listen in, and for continuing to have this conversation with us. You know that I truly believe that through this conversation, that's how we make the world a better place to work. And let's just admit this right now. Some of those conversations aren't easy. Some of them kind of suck, right? I mean, let's just be honest. Through the hard conversations, the uncomfortable conversations, that's usually where we find growth. That's usually where we find that magical unicorn, ooey-gooey betterment that we seek, right? Today's episode is extra special to me. Um, Today, I'm joined by one and only Bill Gettings. And Bill and I are going to talk about LGBTQ plus inclusion and the workplace. Uh, And it really goes a lot deeper than that. Bill and I both kind of dive into our personal experiences in and around the safety profession, uh, in and around industry, uh, and being out in industry in general. Um, I'll level with you that there's a lot of vulnerability here in this episode that, that Bill and I both put out. So, um, I will tell you, and I, I even mentioned this during the episode, uh, this might not be 
everyone's cup of tea, and that's okay. That That's all right. But I feel like it's very important. This is our Pride episode. Again, if you're not familiar, June is Pride Month, and I wanted to have Bill on to have this conversation, uh, and I feel that it's vital. It's, it's, it's especially vital for our profession where the LGBTQ plus community is just grossly underrepresented, right? There's just just no visibility at all, uh, to be quite honest with you. Um, even within our professional organizations, those organizations that are supposed to represent the interests of, of all safety professionals, um, just painfully silent, right? So I, I feel that there's a need for this. Uh, again, if it's not your cup of tea, I get it. You can tune out now. But here's Sam and Bill hanging out, talking about growing up coming up in construction and industry, coming out in construction and industry and coming out and growing up in safety. So here we go. At least my personal experience here in Arizona, I've been here for about 10 years now. Um, it's not been as, Arizona just seems to be more libertarian and not as biblical conservative as what you get kind of in the right. Southeast, if that right. makes a little bit sense. Arizona's more kind of along the lines of, I don't care what the hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody just do your own thing. Leave me the hell alone. We're going to be fine. Right. Yeah, right. And but when you get to uh, it, seemed you know growing up in the portion of Virginia that I grew up in, and I'm sure this probably was probably similar um, coming from South Carolina. Uh, it was very much a, you do what the church says, right? mm-hmm. and you follow what the preacher says. And if you if you're out of line with what the preacher says, it's not going to be good for you. <laughs> you know? I grew up in a very religious household. It was very interesting. It was a very interesting uh, time. <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, I'm right there with you. Uh, my mother was a deacon at the church. Um, she's still extremely active in the church, right. but um, she's you know she's also come a long way. She's still got a long way to go, but yeah. Um, yeah. you know it's uh, she's a product of, of being a you know 1940s kid from the south and you know yep. she went to school pre-segregation right <laughs> you're right it's crazy <laughs> like i can't fathom that you know and yeah. so a lot of the problems um that i see that she has of navigating in today's world i mean they're they're environmentally based you know it's sure, it's yeah. it's not necessarily her fault now is it her fault that she hasn't maybe kept up with the times, but you know, mm-hmm. old dog, new tricks kind of thing also. Well, so. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the same position. Um, I'm, I'm very close to my mother. I was actually adopted and raised by my grandparents. And um, so it kind of similar there, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's um, my grandmother is my mother. That's the way it's going to always been, you know, um, but same kind of the same. She's, she's come such a long way but it's still that point where she still has those kind of moments. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're like, okay, I'm going to have to walk away for a few minutes. We'll be okay. I'll come back in an hour. We'll yeah. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> like having, you know, first of all, being gay, right. second, having a person of color as my partner, like mm-hmm. that opens up challenges as well. And, yeah. um, yeah. So the good news is you at least have the baby, right? So you can, right. you can throw up the, you want to exactly. see the grandbaby, you know? Exactly. It is helpful. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. It is yeah. very helpful. Yeah. But you know, that's, that's the one thing that is very interesting. You know, we, we were, uh, I don't even remember where we were standing in line for something. We, we had stopped at a little gift shop when we were in the, in the Smokies and, uh, it's kind of redneck Las Vegas, right? That's kind of, kind of right. what the Smoky mountains are. And so, so Jarrell had never really experienced any of this, some of this stuff. And like this, this people that don't mean anything by it, but it's just the strangeness of the interaction. The lady just kind of taps him on the shoulder and she's like, honey, is your skin normally that color? 
you know, and just starts having this weird conversation about being tan. He's like, I'm not tan, I'm, I'm Filipino. And he's like, oh, what's that? <laughs> you know, just... <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It's like, where are you from? Let's let's start that conversation. Rather than where's he from? Where are you from? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we're dealing with some of these people that they've never left their home county. Sure. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I know that you probably have people that you were raised around. I know I do yeah. that, you know, they literally have never left their home county. And yeah. I yeah, I can't imagine. There's there's truth to that, you know. It's 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 we kind of joke about it, like you never come out of the holler. But there are people that have never come out of the holler. Right? Yeah, that's, 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 that's true, right? Um, I've seen, you know, I've got some family members I love love them dearly that have never probably exceeded a hundred mile radius from around around yep. home, basically, you know. And there's something to that, you know. I think I was I was fortunate enough, um, you know, I was raised uh, by folks that knew the importance of travel and really enjoyed travel and really exposed us to a ton of just different places. And with places come different people, and you know, it's it's that, that experience is so important. That's something that we try to continue to share with our daughter is just that, because it's it's I'm I'm really intrigued by um, just getting to know people just in general, right? I really like Daryl Davis. I don't know if you ever followed along with much of what Daryl Davis has done. Um, he's a gentleman that uh, basically went out and converted like a hundred plus Ku Klux Klan members. Basically, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Phenom- just amazing, dude. Right, just amazing. And his whole, his whole premise was: is you can't hate me if you know me. Mm-hmm. Right, you can't hate me if you know me. And that's where he kind of started. He's like, I don't understand how people can hate me. They don't even know me. Right. And he goes out and he's just, he, he was, he would sit down and have conversations with these, these high ranking members of the Ku Klux Klan. Right. And he would get to the point where he'd build up a relationship with them. He'd, he would invite them over for dinner. You know, he'd have them over at his house, you know, and eventually they would get to the point where like, you know, you're right. I can't hate you now that I know, that I know well, you. you so know, I think there's a lot to that of just being exposed to different people and some of that, that understanding that comes along with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the most powerful tools that we all have is, the ability to tell stories. And um, I, I think you're exactly right. And, and that's a, a prime example. When um, when I was I was with Lockheed Martin for over 10 years uh, doing environmental health and safety work. And right. um, after about five years, got really involved in their LGBT employee resource group, uh, which was sure. called Pride. Uh, you know, we were very original. Um, <laughs> and after we made progress. Um, you know, I literally, every year I saw the company make progress, but as you can imagine, a national, well, not national, a global government defense aerospace contractor, very conservative company, very conservative employee base. Um, and we certainly had challenges of incorporating invisible minorities into the workplace. And, um, the largest segments for that were, um, people with various disabilities and then the LGBT community. And um, one of the things that we did within two years about that when I left and it was like the last big project that I pushed out was um, based on that very premise is that if people know us Mm -hmm. and they know who we are and we're able to be visible then it's going to break down those barriers, right? It's going to allow people to understand that we're all human. We all have the same um, potential for gifts and talents and um, 
subject matter expertise, and we all have the same um, challenges and and you know the ability to make mistakes um, as humans do, and so the we did these video storytelling opportunities and i mean it was literally i had to go out and find a vice president that had budget and be like this is the project that i want to do would you sponsor it and you know here's how much i think it'll cost and so you know he gave us like five thousand dollars we got with our corporate audio video people they set up a booth at one of our lgbt uh leadership conferences we had at our corporate headquarters and then i just asked lgbt people and allies to sign up for a time period and go in and tell their story, their coming out story. And some of those were positive. Some of those were negative experiences. Um, And then we, you know, did video editing and got those down to snippets. And we started sharing those out through communication channels within the company and dramatic effects of just being able to tell stories. And um, I think it's one of the things that we could do better at in the safety world is, finding when we have those issues, those concerns, those findings, those incidents, and then documenting them well enough in the original person's story, and then sharing that story as part of our educational programs. Um, I think we're missing out by not doing that. Yeah. I think, I think your, your point as you kind of go down this path of storytelling is so, so vitally important. Uh, not only again, just just for that visibility, as we were kind of talking about, kind of back to that point that it's it's. I just got this feeling that if you know me, you're going to have a hard time hating me, right? Right. I just got I just got this feeling. You know, you might, but I doubt it, right? <laughs> yeah, call me narcissistic, but, but you know, if you get to know me, you're going to love me. <laughs> you might not love me, but you definitely won't hate me, right? <laughs> and that that's true. That's true with most people, right? Let's just say with most people. But then also, also um, for other other folks within our community out there to hear those stories and to see those stories. I kind of, you know, I, I grew up in kind of the beginnings of the YouTube generation, right? I, I, I grew up with that kind of starting, you know, before it and then as it kind of emerged and it emerged right in that time when I was getting to the point of coming out, right? And I could go online and watch these stories, right? And that was so powerful to me to listen to what people, the good, the bad, the ugly, just to hear those other experiences, right? And go, I'm not crazy. Right. <laughs> There's other people out there like me that have gone through this and I could go and listen to those stories and hear those stories or go out and see that. So to, for me, that, that, that visibility is super important, right? I think that that's, and those stories are super important. So I think that, that that's, that's, that's amazing just to hear that booth and kind of your, your kind of strategy. There's really, really cool. I might, I might have to steal or borrow that idea for some uh, stuff in my day job, but yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and we could also maybe collaborate on a um, safety 2021, um, you know, presentation. We could, we yeah. could do one on storytelling and, and, you know, things like that. The, um, you know, it's, it's funny, like just the difference that one generation makes, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you talk about that you're the YouTube generation, I'm the pre YouTube Mm -hmm. generation. And, you know, what I remember growing up was seeing the, um, and, and I'm not, I guess I am stereotyping, but it's, it's not malicious, but, you know, I grew up looking at the Liberace and the Elton John and the Gene, uh, not Gene Simmons, um, Richard Simmons. Um, right. and 
the people that you just assumed were gay men um, by their flamboyance. And I didn't identify with that. And right. so when I was growing up, I knew that I liked other guys. Doogie Howser mm-hmm. was my first crush. Right. Um, <laughs> but I knew that I wasn't like those people that mm-hmm. I heard people around me say those people were gay. Right. And so, yeah, I, I had the exact opposite of you is that, you know, my visual media um, was a negative effect because right. I knew I wasn't like them. And so I didn't know what I was for years. Well, I- well, I think that that's what was really interesting for me, and I, I didn't go that deep, but it, the fact that you call that out is, is spot on because for me it was that, um, you know, again, not not to get too stereotypical, but that's usually what comes to most folks' minds, right? Um, when you think of the stereotypical representation of, of a gay man, right? You, you think Richard Simmons sometimes, right? right? And that's that's unfortunate, but that, that's, that exists, right? And for me, I was like, okay, I'm not that. So what am I? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> not that. Exactly. What am I, right? So for me, it was like you said, it was it was kind of opposite because I had the positive interaction being able to go at some some other folks. I'm like, whoa, this person is like me. Like this person, like the they're, they're that's kind of me, right? And to see those those different representations was was super important. Was super right. was super super valuable to me. So I totally agree. I think that there's so much to so much to be done there around. Um, the storytelling aspect and, and the increase in visibility, I think it's very important, especially in today's times where it's a lot easier to make it, make it more visible. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and I think um, one of the very important dates to me, you know, so this is pride month, June, mm-hmm. the reason that we're having this conversation today, we, we yeah. both had talked about earlier and, and I think it's a cool thing for us to, to put together, but um, October the 11th is national coming out day and another mm-hmm really big day. And, and, um, you know, I, I didn't know about these things growing up. Well, I guess pride month wasn't really recognized then, but, um, yeah, I remember when I first heard about national coming out day and I was like, wow, that's a thing. You know, there's a day that we recognize the, the courage that these LGBTQA people have to say, you know, I'm going to come out. And, um, it's really interesting that um, a lot of people don't know that coming out is not a singular event. Right. Exactly. right? You don't come out one time and be like, okay, God, we're wouldn't good. Wouldn't be nice? Wouldn't it though? <laughs> but I mean, literally it's like every single interaction you have for your entire life mm-hmm. is almost a, a new coming out story. Absolutely. And you are always just a little bit on guard because you don't know how they're going to go down. And, um, it's, you know, I, I had done a post on Monday with the Supreme court ruling on LinkedIn, um, about, you know, what a great day this is for America. Um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, really excited. And my company launched their, um, rainbow badge on the same day. Yeah. Yeah, Super excited. Way to go whisk. Little shout out. And, um, there was someone that posted, on my LinkedIn post, another safety professional, I don't know, we weren't first degree connections. I think we were second degree connections, Mm -hmm. but he said, um, companies won't have this problem if they just don't hire them to begin with. (laughs) And I just, I just wrote, who's them. 
and never got a response. And his, his posting not. ended up getting deleted. I don't know if he deleted it or if somebody else flagged him and LinkedIn deleted it, but it, I yeah. never got a notification, but um, yeah, them, you won't have a problem well, with them. That's, that's, it is a courageous act. And it's a courageous act because of stuff like that. Right. I, I'm, I'm, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but I, I hope that a lot of this, this episode will end up being enlightening for the folks that, that are out there. Right. Um, when I first kind of got into this construction industry, I wasn't out yet. Right. Kind of back to that point. It's, right, it's kind of a <laughs> yeah. blessing and a curse. No one, uh, or at least I haven't got much of that where someone's like, Oh yeah. For sure, he's gay, right? <laughs> yeah, my my gaydar level is very low. Um, very low, right? Very it's low. highly calibrated, but very low. <laughs> very, um, <laughs> you know, as far as its signal strength, I guess. Exactly, exactly. But you know, for uh, I, I came out kind of, I won't say later in life, but it was it was uh, later than than a lot of those around me, right? Um, I, I kind of came out more towards my mid twenties. Um, well, after I was already in construction, well, after I'd already been working in nuclear generation, you know, um, a lot of that without getting too deep into, uh, we touched on it a little bit, um, but uh, without getting too deep into that, you know, I was raised in a very religious household. I was raised in a very religious town where the preacher really had more clout than the mayor, mm-hmm. right? I was, I, I, I kind of joke about it. Um, actually, in, in the book a little bit, I called the town out as saying that Cole is king and Jesus Christ was a close second. Right. That's that's how that that's how the town that I grew up in was. Right. Cole was number one and Jesus was number two. And in, in that order. Right. And then anything below that, like, you know, you just so it was I was forced and I was raised in a pretty, I won't say extreme, but a pretty I'll, I'll say this for those out there that know that know what I'm, some folks will know what I'm talking about. I was raised in a southern Pentecostal church. Pentecostal, that, that, thank you. That, if that, yeah, if, if that, if that will tell you anything. So, um, I had to set under sermons of being told that you know you go to hell for stuff like that, mm-hmm. right? I, I set through that through my entire childhood. So for a very long time, I suppressed that, right? Uh, and then obviously it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> it obviously doesn't, you know, that it doesn't just disappear. And then uh, you know, as I kind of kind of grew and started to gain that courage, and it took a long time to get that courage. Um, as I just started down that process of coming out um, and coming out with some folks that were pretty close to me and some friends that were very close to me and family that was very close to me, select family members at that time. And then the rest of my family, uh, I had some folks in my industry at the time corner me. He's like, listen, you need to stop because you're going to ruin your career. Right. And I'm going, Whoa, what do you mean? <laughs> right. And so, so it, it is right. And that's kind of back to your point of being on guard. I still get, some DMS. I still get emails from folks going, Hey, listen, I'm going through that right now mm. where my manager basically disowned me, right? Because they walk in and I have a picture of myself and my significant others who's the same sex, which is the only problem with that, you know, that picture on my desk and they basically ignore me now. Right. That stuff still happens, right? It's still going on in some kind of more backwards companies. Uh, and for me growing up in construction, the construction industry, I'm not, I'm not picking on it and not on purpose at least, but it was a rough place to come out. Right? <laughs> it, it wasn't quite, I'm very blessed now. I will say that for the, the past several companies that I've worked for. Now, very supportive. But. When you were in construction and, and you started coming out, were you a tradesperson at that time or were you in safety already? I was actually already in safety. I just bridged over into safety. at that. So point. you were already the bad guy. 
Yeah. And now that you're the right. bad guy that everybody knows is gay. So yeah, it's like, right. it's like exactly. a double whammy. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, it, it's still, um, that's just one of those things where, you know, the vast majority of folks are kind of in that same position as we're kind of joking about, we're joking about the state of Arizona kind of beforehand. Right. And going, most, most folks that I run into nowadays in construction, we're like, I, whatever, <laughs> which is fine, right. fine with that. I'm totally cool with that. Right. That's fine. Uh, but you still run into some folks that are, that are just actively just out to get you just because of who you love. And I think that's insane that, that that's still occurring in the year 2020. Yeah. I mean, um, I think when I think about those types of interactions, um, it takes me back to um, another book that you and I discussed, um, which is Strength Finders. Mm -hmm. And the premise of the book is that um, you, it's an introspective look at yourself and um, that if you take the amount of energy that it would, that you would use to increase one of your weaknesses, a, a minute percentage, and you take that same energy and you put it into one of your strengths, you're going to be just, you know, off the chart excelling because that's already your strength, right? So put your energy there. And so I think about that same philosophy of these people who, if they were to take that same negative energy of trying to break somebody down because they're different than them, and they would put that towards a positive um, change, like think how the world would be, right? Think how much Absolutely. better that person's yeah. life would be of, yeah. because you know how negativity brings you down. Right. Um, and right. I just, I think about, and I really feel bad for people and, and just how miserable they must be on the inside that that's where they choose to put that energy. Right. Just, just trying to, 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 to emotionally harm folks. Right. Right. It's insane. Right. It's, it's absolutely insane. I remember that, uh, it was, wasn't too very long into my career. I just walked in and into a new job and it had been there for a couple of months, just still pretty, pretty new. And I'm sitting there and I'm, I'm, I'm chatting with, with one of the admins, right. And I forget how it even come up, but somebody's come up it's like, Oh, there's a rumor going around that you're gay. Right. I'm like, Oh, well, okay. I'm pretty open about that. She's like, wait, really? It's like, wait till everyone finds out they'll run you off from here. <laughs> Right? Like that stuff's still happening, right? I think it's insane. It's insane. Uh, but a lot of that was more into kind of small scale mom and pop construction companies. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of that, that mentality is still present. And we kind of, we're joking, uh, not really joking we, were, we were talking about some of the areas in which we kind of grew up in the Southeast. And, you know, fortunately, the more that I kind of go back and visit, some of those areas are starting to come along. That's where some of my original experiences were at. Um, but still not so much, <laughs> It's still, still not, not such a positive experience sometimes. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely been a lot of change in the last 10 years. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm very fortunate. You know, one of the great things about moving away from places that are less inclusive um, is that when you go back, you get to choose who you're going to spend time with, right. where, where you're going to spend time, where you're going to spend your money. Um, and that I think goes a long way to my mental health that, right. um, right. when I do go back home, 
I know the people to avoid and I know the people to spend time with and the people that I spend time with are people that are going to lift me up. They're people right, that exactly. are, um, you know, going to be sharing positive things. And, and, um, there are also people who are going to defend me when I'm not there in my absence. And that's, exactly. that's super cool. Yeah. It, and it's amazing. And I, I know we've kind of hit on some of the, some of the not so great stuff, but we, we mentioned, we mentioned whisk, right? Mm-hmm. There's some amazing companies out there that are really, really doing a lot, doing yeah. a lot of good. Right. And I, um, most folks can go find out who I work for. I don't, I don't talk about who I work for on the, on the podcast, but um, I, again, I can only thing I can say is that I, I work for an amazing organization that, that, that values same, right. Same, same kind of values. Right. right? And that's so important. That's so important. Uh, to work for an organization that has the same kind of moral alignment with you. Right. I mean, that's, that's so important. It it is. And it's um, even when I was at Lockheed, it was something that integrity is one of the, the, just the prime values there. And that's one of the reasons that I was very proud to work for um, Lockheed Martin um, is that even when things weren't right, they would call themselves out. And right, I mean, yeah. so much so that they got rid of extremely high ranking people because they did, you know, bad things. And um, it was, uh, it, it made it a lot easier to work at some place that had similar values that I had. And um, when I was with Lockheed, I also did a, a good bit of um, recruiting um, as a partner with our HR organization that did our talent acquisition, because when they would go to the, minority recruiting events, they would try to take people from those communities, right? And so I got to go to a lot of the LGBT recruiting events. And it was really interesting to see the young people and where they placed the importance of the companies that they were trying to down select from of whether those companies aligned with their morals and their values. And inclusion was a huge selling point um, for a lot of the youth that, and, you know, and I'm talking about this is uh, eight, 10 years ago. And, you know, even until today, but there was, um, there was definitely a shift of, yeah, I don't want to go work for just anyone, or I don't want to go to work for the person who's going to give me the biggest salary or the person who's doing the most innovative work. It's, I want right. to go to work for someone who does all that and they're going to accept me and they're going to make sure that I'm in a safe workplace, um, right. regardless of who I am. Right. And, um, yeah, so you're exactly right. You know, to be able to work for companies that they don't hide the fact, um, you know, that they're, they're out there promoting the fact that they're an inclusive organization exactly. and that they, it, it yeah. the biggest thing to me that I believe deep, deep into my core is that the most successful teams are diverse teams. Um, if you have people with different levels of education, people with different family backgrounds, people with different religious backgrounds, people with yes. different um, skill sets, of people of different skin color that have different experiences, those are the strongest teams that I've ever worked yes. with. Um, because Absolutely. I know I don't know everything. And right. there's a really good chance that if I'm sitting beside somebody and they look just like me, and, you know, we have the same degree and we, you know, went to the you know, same type of school and we had the mm-hmm. same kind of background and upbringing, more than likely that guy's going to think a lot of the way that I think. Right. And we're not getting anywhere. Right. right? There's right, already exactly. one of me there. So um, <laughs> it's I think it's hugely important, um, you know, to be able to have those um, those teams who who are diverse and, you know, right. work for a company that is inclusive. 
It's it's so important. It's so important. And, you know, I think that, well, and just, just to the point that you're making about what folks look for, right? And, and it's even more so, and it seems like even more so in, in, in the newer generations of my generation, um, it's not money, right? Like, as we kind of mentioned, it's not money. It's stuff like that. It's the ability to be yourself. It's the ability to provide value and work on stuff that's meaningful. It's all that stuff. Money helps. It might get you through the door, but it doesn't keep people there, right? right? And you see these companies all the time that, 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 that high pay and not so great everything else and people stay for like a year and then they're off to somewhere else, right? <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, you know, LinkedIn's a great tool for that. You know, it's so right. interesting when I connect with people or I see a comment from someone and I go and I look at their profile and, you know, you see that, you know, oh, they were with this company for three, four, five, six, seven years. And then they were at this company for 11 months. And then they were at this right. company for six years. Right. You right. know, that 11 month company was <laughs> not a good fit. Not you know? great. Yeah. Not, and, not great. and we all air that dirty laundry now right through using tools like linkedin well and i think it's it's so important um because kind of back to that point on, on good companies because i try to share that with people it's 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 what's really everything that we've been talking about so far um for folks when they ask me about that because I'm, I'm pretty open no bs kind of person and right? I'll, I'll talk to anybody just about anything <laughs> i just like to talk if people haven't figured that out yet does <laughs> <But laughs> is, is that explain the expensive microphone yeah absolutely yeah ex- exactly exactly <laughs> but you know for so long and I'm, I'm sure this will resonate with you as well you know for so long i would have to show up to the companies that i work for and be someone else right every single day i would have to show up to work and 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 excise a part of my life and be someone else. And I try to share that with folks um, that might not have the same experience, right? Or might, might, not, might not be part of our community that just imagine showing up to work and not being able to talk about your significant other mm-hmm. or not being able to talk about what you did that weekend so, or have to lie about it. Yeah. Right? So have to, have to lie about it or, or have to hold back or just to have to hide a significant portion of yourself any given day. And now imagine how depressing that is. Imagine the mental toll that that takes on individuals. And it's no shock as to why the suicide rates are where they're at within Mm. our communities. Yeah. um, So the, the official um, word for that is called covering. Um, And so within the diversity and inclusion um, space is, you know, you're covering who you really are and um, you're not sharing, you know, your complete self with the outer world. And um, yeah, it is a challenge, right? It is is exhausting because you've, I'm sure, done hundreds of incident and accident and injury investigations in your career. Um, mm, I I guess in some ways I'm very fortunate that I was in law enforcement for about seven years. And so Mm -hmm. the investigative skills that I picked up come from the public safety world. Um, Having been in the fire service and in law enforcement, I've done a slew of, of public safety investigations. And then since I've been in safety, gosh, you know, thousands, literally almost 20 year career. um, You know, I, I may be in the tens of thousands at this point. But one of the things that I learned early on from a very good investigator is that if you really want to get to the truth of the matter, you have to ask the same question um, multiple ways and multiple times um, right. if you believe that someone's not telling you the truth about something in particular. Right. Um, because the way that the brain works is you're not going to tell a lie the same way every single time. Mm. 
the truth, someone will tell that story the same way because they're not having to make something up. But if you're telling a lie, um, there's going to be little nuances or little small changes that you can then go in and start picking things apart. And that is the life of a closeted LGBTQA person is that, you know, you tell this friend one thing and you tell this friend something else. And then those two friends talk and they're like, wait a minute, you told me you were going to movies, but John said that you went out to eat with your family. Which was it? Why couldn't you hang out with us? Right. right? right, right, And what you can't tell them is, is that you went out on a date and he was really cool guy. And you really want to share that with them, but you're afraid that you're going to lose your two best friends that you grew up with. Right. So, um, that's, that's the challenge is that, And the thing is that it erodes at it, it erodes your integrity as a person because you are having to constantly tell these little lies. Absolutely. You know, yeah. um, I remember, you know, just all not specifically, but I remember all the times that I had to tell my family different things other than what I was really doing because I was right. I wasn't right. out. You know, um, and not that I was doing anything wrong, you know, it would be like, um, when, when I moved to Atlanta, uh, from the Clemson, Pendleton, South Carolina area, I wasn't out yet to my family. And on, um, if I was going back home for a weekend, Sunday nights, um, there was a wonderful drag show that was done at a a bar in in Atlanta. And I used to love to go see that show and I could not tell my mom, that I was leaving before dinner time on Sunday evening to get back to Atlanta because I wanted to go to a drag show that night. Um, It was because I had dinner with friends, you know, and I just couldn't miss that um, opportunity. And we did have dinner there. So there was that, that place also had like an amazing $10 ribeye steak on Sunday night. So it was, it was a twofer, but um, you're right. Right. No, you're just, and it's not really that you're lying. It's just that you generally don't tell the whole truth, right? You're telling just this fractions of truth. It's, it's almost like this. It's, it's, well, it's not almost, it really is this fight or flight, right? You, you kind of right. kicks in and you just kind of go, whoa, right. You just kind of throw up that wall really fast. And even now, like I'm, I'm wide out in the open. Right. And I still catch myself. Sometimes I'm, I start to kind of almost throw up a, a guard or a defense there. Right. And go, wait, oh, okay. So, <laughs> you know? Because you've, 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 most of us have done that for so many years of our lives. Right. Um, so again, I think it's, I think it's important that people understand that struggle a little bit. Because again, I, you're you're bringing up the kind of the personal side of that because you're you're dealing with that with your family, and that's that's wearing you down, right? You're, then you're dealing with that at work, and it's wearing you down even farther, right? And I mean, up until the point that I actually came out, for me personally, I got to the point where I'd fall into such a depression, right? That I was like, okay, something's got to give, mm-hmm. something's got to change. I can't not be me anymore. If that costs me my job, if that costs me my family, if that costs me some friends, that's fine. Right. But the point is, is that through having conversations like this, by by making folks or, or, or just showing folks that, you know, we're out, here, right? we're out here and letting other folks see that, hopefully we're starting to break down some of that a little bit. Right. I think to me, that's that's a lot of the importance. Right. Because for for what I'd seen, my, my partner has had a, a vastly different experience. Maybe we've had a pretty similar experience, probably on the family side of things. Uh, because our families are very similar, like eerily similar, actually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> People don't realize 
Asian families and Southern families it's are basically same. mirrors of each other. Um, and I, I put it all back to that they both come from agrarian societies. Absolutely. And so the importance of family, the importance of savings, not wasting mm-hmm. things. Um, the, the similarities are just insane. You know, we've South had, Carolina, we've had same conversation. Yeah, South Carolina, I think, is the only <laughs> state in the union that grows both tea and rice. Yeah, right. Yeah. South Carolina is basically a small Asian country. It just exactly. doesn't know it. So, um, exactly. <laughs> but yet, no, you hit on something that was interesting and, um, you know, there's an old saying that one uh-oh messes up a whole bunch of attaboys. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I think also the opposite of that, I, of that is true. And and I say it from this perspective. Um, I've had probably over my life, I've had probably way more negative experiences um, about being in the LGBT community than I have positive experiences as far as like coming out, people finding out and things like that. And I remember it's happened a couple of times now that I've been more out and more vocal and a leader within the LGBT community, um, especially a leader in the workplace within the LGBT community. But there was one specific incident that I remember that really sticks with me. And it was, um, I was a facilities um, risk manager for Lockheed Martin in Sunnyvale, California. And um, I had taken about a three-year hiatus from being in environment health and safety. And it was basically to take the same methodology and the same skill sets that we use to protect people, to protect the infrastructure of the facility. Because when you're building a billion dollar satellite, um, you, you can't break something and not be able to support the environment that that satellite's in. And, um, I had one of the senior managers who was over all the facilities operations for our Denver um, headquarters of Lockheed Martin Space Systems. He was in Sunnyvale and he reached out to me and he said, hey, you're really active with the the LGBT pride thing at Lockheed, right? And I was like, yeah. And so facilities in industry is much like construction, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot yeah. of the same trades, a lot of the same skills, a lot of the same backgrounds. A lot of people go from construction into industrial maintenance. And um, so I immediately, right, my halches get, you know, spurred up and the, the hair standing up on the back of my neck a little bit. And that whole fight or flight thing that you just mentioned comes into effect. And, and, uh, you know, by this time I was pretty plugged in and felt pretty secure and, you know, had about seven years at Lockheed and I knew my place. And so I was like, you know, absolutely. You know, um, and, you know, I'm really proud of it. I like the work that we're doing. I've learned so much and, you know, I've got connected with all these great people. And he said, well, my daughter just came out and I really need somebody that I can talk to. Yeah. I literally almost started crying because here was this, you know, guy who's probably like five years older than I am, maybe 10. And I was expecting this to go a totally different direction, right? I had already prejudged him and I was ready for the fight, man. You know, I I was already thinking in my head, how am I going to break him down and how am I going to change him to get him on our side? And here he was coming fully exposed 
yeah, right? Yeah. To say, I need help. And dude, the best feeling in the world to be able yes. to reverse mentor leaders um, in a place that they don't feel comfortable, you know? And he wasn't even asking just how can I be a better leader at work? He was asking, how can I be a better dad? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, it's, it's so interesting because I, I've had a very, I had a very similar conversation to that about three years ago. Um, someone that great friend of mine, right. That I've known for quite a while uh, and, and actually a, a contractor in that kind of construction maintenance space um, at one of the locations that I was at. And I uh, just kind of came up to me in the office one day. I was like, Hey, let's go for a ride. I need to talk to you. And I'm going, Oh God, what's, what's this about? Right. So we, we jump in a work truck and go around and, you know, we work for two different companies at this time, right? This, this person's a, a contractor. I'm, I'm at this point te- technically the client in this relationship, you know, and it was a very similar conversation without getting into too much detail. It was pretty much the exact conversation, which was not really not exactly because just not certain, about their child but it was like how do I support them mm-hmm. in this because I feel like they're 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 on the verge of coming out you know and I was in the same position I was like oh god my, my fists are clenched up like I'm ready to go <laughs> palms are and sweating I'm, like, I'm, yeah. I'm sitting there going I'm like okay how do I get across the center console of this truck <laughs> right you gotta strangle somebody <laughs> but it's kind of the same thing right so yeah there is a lot to that because as I said um the, the organization um, that that I, I'm very blessed to have a, a fun, work for a phenomenal organization now, um, that just is, is so supportive of not only uh, the community within the organization, but supportive of like Phoenix Pride, right? A massive sponsor of of, of, of the pre the Phoenix the Phoenix <laughs> the Phoenix Pride Festival here, down to floats and booths and everything, right? Just massive supporter. And I still catch myself in that position, right? Where I'm like, I feel very supported where I'm at. And I still catch myself going, wait a second, what are you what <laughs> what's gonna happen? Right. Right. I still, I still exactly I still catch myself with that. And I think a lot of that comes from the industry. And that, that was kind of where I was going to go next a little bit was kind of out in industry in particular, a lot of the industries that we're around, right? Because I, I can, I, I don't want to, I won't speak too much for my partner and his own personal experience, um, but we have obviously talk a little bit, right? And, you know, he works in healthcare, right? He works, he works in leadership and healthcare, and it's such a different experience, right? It's such a different experience than it maybe it is in the construction industry, or because a lot of, I, when we, when we first kind of met and when we were first kind of going through this process, you know, and talking about those experiences, and I'm going, whoa, wait a second, your experience is way different than what I have. Like, I still struggle with some stuff at work. And it was just mind-blowing to him. It's like, wait a second, they, they give you hell at work over that still? And I'm like, yeah. Because <laughs> it, it was it was pre-current employer, right? Right. <laughs> still, still working for, for something that was maybe not so open-minded. And so I think a lot of that does have to do with, with it's, it's somewhat industry-specific, it seems, isn't it? You know... <sighs> I can certainly see that. Um, I think, you know, again, if, if you think about the changes, you know, of don't ask, don't tell and right, yeah. marriage equality and, you know, various states passing um, equality um, laws in their states. But, you know, I think the big thing, you know, we, we are a capitalist society and, mm-hmm. 
um, there's a uh, large majority of the LGBTQA community that are dinks. Um, and that's dual income, no kids. And um, I don't know, probably eight years ago, a lot of companies started to realize that they're missing out on clients because people spend with their heart. You know, now there's, there's certain things that we need in life to get by, right? Is that, you know, I have to have electricity or you and I would not be having this conversation right now. And unfortunately I don't get to choose who I buy power from, but Mm -hmm. um, you know, what I do get to choose is, you know, whose computer am I using? Whose phone am I using? Whose drink am I drinking? Whose food am I consuming? Um, you know, where am I going on vacation? What hotel am I staying at? What airline am I going to fly on? And um, when a lot of companies started figuring that out, I think is when we started to see a lot of companies change the way that they do business. And that created a ripple effect because as those companies matured within their inclusive model, they said, what's next, right? And so then at that point, you get to the point where you say, okay, from a supplier perspective, we're not going to align ourselves or do business with people who don't have our same company values. And so then you have the next tier of companies that start to say, well, you know, if if we want to do business with this company, then we have to have these same, you know, inclusive policies in place. And um, so I think we've seen some change from there. I think a a lot of also is just the education um, and, talking about it right because you know it's talked about in schools now i guarantee it wasn't when i was well the only time it was talked about was by kids in the halls and you know on the playground and that was mostly pointing and laughing at people um but yeah i mean it's just it's we're we're still a developing nation and you know we're we've uh we've definitely come a long way in a short time but you know pride celebrating what 50 years last year um, right. you know, since the Stonewall riot and, yeah. um, you know, 50 years is nothing in, in terms of a lot of countries, but in our country, it's what a fifth of the country's existence. Well, and that, that's a lot of what I've been sharing and I've actually, um, not to, not to let the, I don't know if it'll be out by this time or not. I think it'll actually be out, be out before this. So I won't be giving anything away, but I actually recorded a, some of an episode, um, just earlier this morning talking about some of that stuff that, you know, I don't think many people wrap their head around that. We do because we, we think about it maybe a little bit more, <laughs> more than our straight friends, right? Is that how long has, has marriage been available to us nationwide in this country? Not that long, (laughs) a handful of years, right? We're just talking about the Supreme Court ruling just the other day, right? These issues are still very fresh, right? People almost look at these things as things of yesterday. Mm. As you mentioned, the Stonewall riots were in 1969, I believe. Um, That's not that long ago. I believe it was 69. I have to look. I could be wrong. I think it's 69. I don't math. So let me just throw that out there. (laughs) I don't math. Well, no, it it was 50 years ago last year. Last year was 2019. So yeah, you're you're, 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 you're spot on. (laughs) You mathed harder than I did. So we're good. (laughs) But, but, you know, again, it's back to that. I, I, I share that conversation with folks. I like to have that conversation with folks that, you know, when you, when you go back and most people don't know the story of the Stonewall riots, right? 
They just don't, right? I encourage people to go read that. To, to, there's tons of great articles. There's books out there on it. I would encourage folks to go, go just even just read an article on it. It's mind-blowing because I don't think many folks realize that it wasn't that long ago that you would be drugged into the street, beat, jailed, and shamed based off of who you loved, right? I don't, I don't think that we, we bring that up enough. Right. It wasn't that long ago that many of the kind of I don't mean to pick on her, you know, I'm from the southern states, but that religious laws still were pretty prevalent in a lot of these states that outlawed and banned us, basically. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. And I think it's important to continue to have that conversation that these issues are still fresh and still relevant today. And for me, that is the, the, the biggest reason to continue to talk about pride and to continue to push for visibility and continue to push for representation in this, these conversations is because it's we our ground can go backwards very quickly. Well, right? and we're, and, we're, and we're we, not as far ahead as what I think we might assume that we are. Well, and the other thing to remember is, is that we still don't have full equality. Absolutely. Monday was a big deal, but gotcha. that only gave us um, the right to housing and to employment in the 27 states who had not already passed that. What we still don't have in those 27 states is the right to accommodations. So, you know, you and your partner could walk into a restaurant or walk into a movie theater or go to a hotel and you can still be legally denied service. You can right. be kicked out of these places in 27 States. If you walk in holding the hand right. of your partner. Right. Well, and, and that's, that's, that's the insane part. Again, I don't, I don't think many people wrap their head around that. I don't think they realize that. Right. I, again, I think that's why these conversations are so important. I know that I've got a lot of listeners that are, are overseas that are going, what in the hell are they doing in America? <laughs> right? The land of the free. Right. About 60% of my listeners are not U.S. based. Let me say that. And they're all going to be going, what? <laughs> but yeah, exactly. It's, it's, we, we kind of touched on Arizona, right? Again, not, not to, not to continue to throw my, my, my employers and things up onto a pedestal, but you know, they, they would sign the unity pledge here in Arizona every single year, because again, Arizona is one of those States that did not afford us those rights. Mm -hmm. Again, you could lose your job, right? Again, that's a scary thing. Back to, back to that, uh, that, that need of self-preservation, that fight or flight to stay closeted. If I come out, I might get fired, right? Again, that's an insane thing, right? I don't think most people wrap their heads around that that aren't part of the community. So I think it's great to put that out there and just, just imagine that reversed, right? Imagine yourself in that position, right, to where you could be fired for being straight. It's the same thing. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, we can do a whole other show on privilege. Exactly, um, for sure. Right? <laughs> but yeah, it, I think that's the problem is that, you know, with everything else that's going on in the world right now, um, you know, with with um, social justice and, and racial justice is as much of an ally as I am to, um, you know, and, and my partner is a person of color. Um, but, you know, as much of an ally as I am, I've still never experienced like the story of you and your partner up in, in Gatlinburg when the lady right. tapped him on the shoulder and said, you know, why is your skin so dark kind of thing? Right. You right. know, we've never had that problem. 
and honestly, I can't fathom it. Um, I, I will tell you that, um, the first time that I took my partner Simon home with me and we went to a Christmas Eve service at my mom's church, um, which is a part of our family tradition. And, um, we were all sitting in the pew talking and chit chatting and, um, my partner, his senior year in college, he studied abroad in uh, the University of Edinburgh. And he, there's still some words, even today, when he says them, you hear a little bit of this just Scottish dialect. Right, right. And this is a, you know, Chinese American born and raised in San Francisco, California. Right. And um, we were sitting there and one of the ladies in front of us turned around and, you know, she's definitely in her late sixties to to seventies. And she, um, she said something about, um, his dialect or his tone or, you you know, the way that you speak English. And I assumed she was hearing that little bit of Scottish dialect when he was speaking, but that was again, my privilege. I think what she was really saying was, gosh, you look like that, but you sound like this. Right. And um, that was, that was kind of an eye-opening, you know, experience yeah. for me of, um, you know, you speak English really well. Well, yeah. I should, I'm an American. I was born here, you know, right. Right. Even right. though English isn't his first language, technically he right. grew up speaking Cantonese at home. And so right. his first language was Canto. Um, but you know, education wise, he was brought up on and raised, um, in tall English. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's similar, similar with my partner. Um, it's very interesting because we, we both grew up and, uh, we actually both went to, believe this or not, we both went to Christian academies between our first years of, of uh, first years of education. We actually went through the same, basically the same Christian academy, except his was in the Philippines. <laughs> Mine was stateside. Too funny, but it's just hilarious, right? But, but um, it's kind of back to the point that we were making earlier that 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 our families were so similar, right? We just had such such similarities. But it was funny because um, you know it's it's to the point to where a lot of kind of that going home, um, going home and visiting family. A lot of my family still they, they're very embedded in into the church still. Um, and I'm, I'm not picking on them. Great, great for them. I mean, that's, that's their thing. Right. Um, but if we go and it's gotten to the point where it's like, yeah, mom, we'll go with you. No, it's okay. <laughs> because of the perception, right. That's right. there's still a lot of that, um, that, that still exists there. Right. And we, we've, we've hit on that quite a bit. Um, uh, but yeah, I think it's so it, you kind of couple all of that together and it definitely makes for a, a, a bit of a wild experience. That's for sure. And I, it's, again, I think that's one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to have this conversation. And I'll be honest with you. I'll, I'll probably lose a couple followers, honestly, for having this conversation, just to be completely honest with you. Cause I've got a lot of folks that are still in the construction industry that are, I've seen kind of back to your point to where you, you had some comments on some stuff. I've gotten a couple as well. And I take kind of this perspective of good, right? Hi, Felicia. <laughs> if, 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 you, if you're not, uh, we don't have room for that in the community that we're building here. Right. right. And I can at least speak, I can at least speak from my podcast, all the stuff that I'm doing with the hop nerd and all this stuff is uh, we don't have room for, for any of that. 
right? And go on to someone else's podcast, I guess. <laughs> well, I mean, the thing that you're doing with Hop is you're creating change. Right. And the thing that you and I are talking about is creating change. Exactly. So that's the similarity. That's where these things align, right? And I mean, that's what we try to do as safety professionals, mm -hmm. right? Is we're trying to create positive change in the workplace. And the result of that is the protection of life and property. Exactly. For me, it's just making the world a better place to work. That's all it is. For, every, for everybody. Yep. That, that's, that's the key, right? That's the key. It's got to be a better place to work for everyone. Right. <laughs> right. And I've, I've attacked that a little bit, trying to make the world a little bit better place to work for, for us mean old safety people. And I've tried to attack it to try to make it a better place to work for members of our community as well. And I think it's, it's that it's, it, it goes well beyond just the issues that we face, but I think that there's a lot to be said there um, because I've, I still haven't felt um, at least as a safety professional, I haven't felt well represented, right? I don't, I don't know how you feel on that, but for me, I don't feel like I've seen much of myself out there in the profession, if that makes sense, uh, especially um, not only as a safety professional, um, as I don't feel like I'm that young, but I guess I'm still a younger safety professional as, as a gay safety professional. I just don't feel like there's a lot of conversation around the specific issues that we might face. There's not a lot of conversation around a lot of the stuff that we just talked about, the struggles that folks have in the industries that we usually find ourselves in as safety professionals. It's usually construction and high risk and high hazard and all that kind of stuff because that's where you usually need safety people, right? And some of the older mindsets that come along with some of that stuff, it's just for me, again, that's, that's a lot of how I think we start to drive towards that betterment is by starting to have the conversation. Well, like, and, and the thing is, is that this is, we are going into a period of time that people are going to be forced to have these conversations because yeah. with the ruling that came out Monday, let me tell you what's going to happen. Number one, we're going to have a lot more people transition in the workplace. Sure. And from a safety professional standpoint, what kind of challenges does that present to us? Well, does the person need FR clothing? Do they need art flash protection? Do they need fall protection equipment? How is that fall protection equipment going to be fitted to them if they're going through a transition process? You know, maybe they have, you know, some different um, anatomy uh, things going on, mm -hmm. depending on where they're on the transition. Exactly. And something just off the shelf may not fit that employee anymore. And we're going to have to have that very delicate conversation with the employee, somebody from HR, maybe a representative from a fall protection manufacturing company going, hey, yeah. you know, we'll get our company nurse to, to do some measurements. We'll send them to y'all. We need a harness that'll fit this person because they can't do the work that they love to do until we can fit them properly, right? So these are conversations that are going to have to happen. And Monday is going to force that some more. Um, but you're exactly right. In our profession, you know, if you look at um, the, the primary safety organization in the country, they have communities for people of color. Um, they have communities for women. They have communities for young safety professionals. But there's not a community for LGBT safety practitioners. And for us to be able to have those kind of conversations about, you know, like what I just mentioned, um, I will tell you that there's a small group of us who are starting to have that conversation. There's some executive leaders from within the organization that are starting to, their ears are starting to pick up. 
Um, and I think we'll see some big changes in the next year or two. And if anybody's interested in, in being involved in that movement, yep. um, feel free to to reach out to Sam, who can get you in touch with me, um, or yeah. reach out to me um, directly. I know Sam's going to, I think, link me on his Facebook and on his LinkedIn. Um, yep. But I'll be more than happy to uh, get you involved in that. And then, you know, also – like uh, I was telling the story of the senior manager who came to me asking, you know, to, for help and to just have somebody to talk to, um, you know, if there are any other safety professionals out there or any listeners period who, you know, would like some mentoring or they have questions that they don't feel comfortable asking other people, you're not going to offend me. Right. <laughs> well, I'm, so, I'm, it, it's 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 so neat to me, Bill, because we're, we're so similar in a lot of ways. Because I'm I'm like the person that gets the opposite of offended. Right. Right. I'm, I'm right there with you. So and that's what I encourage people all the time. It's kind of back to that point. Like we can't hate each other if we know each other, right? right. I don't have any conversation that you want to have with me as long as you're not mean. Right. Right. As long as we're nice, I'll have any conversation. You, yeah. You because I mean, the thing is. is that, <laughs> I realize that the person asking the question is probably more embarrassed to ask it Absolutely. than I am yeah. to answer it. Yeah. And the question is usually coming from a good place. Oh yeah. Right. It, so intent matters to me a lot. Right. To, to me, it's the, a lot, a lot of it has to do with the intent and my partner and I were just talking about this, you know, um, the, the intent is, is really important. And most folks, when they come to you and they ask those questions and they kind of, they do it in this kind of mumbly way where they're like, I'm, I'm, yeah, very timid and, 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 and they say something that's like, Oh God, I shouldn't have said that. And that's, that's terrible. Right. And it comes off, it comes out horrible. Right. And just to have someone on the other end, be understanding of, kind of, kind of where they're coming from and say, no, nope, that's fine. Let's, let's talk, let's chat. Right. Um, and I've, I've been sharing that with people too. I think, I think that's so powerful just to, if you have questions, if you have stuff, you know, reach out, you know, I, I think that does go a long way too to have those one-on-one -on -one conversations. I think that I, I, I love the fact that, that, that this is starting, you know, um, for those folks, just to be completely transparent, you and I had a, had a little bit of a conversation before talking about some of those workings, kind of moving in that direction. Um, people know me well enough to know that I've, I've thrown a couple stones trying to push some folks in that direction a, a little bit, <laughs> but I'm not, it's not been out of mean. I'll say that it's not been out of mean. It's, it's been out of love and care for a profession. Um, and I will say that I, I just, I just uh, joined an interesting group on, um, on LinkedIn the other day as well that I'd encourage folks to go check out, which is if you go search LGBTQIA plus safety, health and environmental professionals, there's been a group that's been formed there as well. Okay. Um, so say that one more time, a little bit slower. <laughs> I'm, I, I, so I get my radio voice going and I start, I get really fast. It's LGBTQIA plus safety, health and environmental professionals. Um, so it's, 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 uh, it's available on there. So I would encourage you to check that out. I'll share it. How about that? That's probably easier. Um, I'll share it here as well. I'll, I'll put a link down into the, uh, into the podcast notes for those folks that listen to this kind of after the fact, but again, it's back to that. It's a lot of the stuff is forming out of need, right? It's been a, it's, as we mentioned, there's a lot of groups out there, but nothing that really represents our community in particular. And I think it's great to see a lot of this stuff happening. I think it's phenomenal to see a lot of the effort that's being put forth uh, by folks such as yourself, Bill, and others out there that are, are, have been in the trenches of this and fighting for a very long time. Um, I, I will, I will uh, tell you, just as a personal note, um, my generation is, is indebted to your generation uh, for a lot of the the 
the, the, the traction that we've gained, a lot of the, ga- the ground that we have gained uh, over the past several years. So I want to tell you personally, thank you for all of what you're doing out there to try to make the world a better place to work for everybody. Um, it means a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to other folks out there. Well, and, and I appreciate that. Um, you know, I have to also push that thanks out to the generation before me because mm-hmm. those, you know, when one of the most powerful things that happened to me when I moved to San Francisco, um, because I'm a kid who grew up in the eighties. I'm, I'm a, um, you know, the, uh, MTV generation. Um, right. you know, I remember the first video that came on MTV and, <laughs> and now I don't even think they show music videos on MTV. So you anymore. witnessed the death of radio is what I did. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, but I, I remember th- everything starting up with AIDS and the gay cancer that it was called before it right. was identified as AIDS. And, and, um, I remember how scary that was. And then with me being in public safety, going to paramedic school after high school, universal precautions, um, you know, all that became ingrained in me from an education standpoint of how do you protect yourself? Um, But until I moved to San Francisco and I met these 60 and 70 and 80 year old gay men who lost everyone in their life, right? Because the majority of these people are people who came here to escape, right? It's right. they they left the small Midwest and the Southern towns where they weren't accepted and they came to San Francisco where they knew that they could live their life and would not be threatened. And then came HIV and AIDS in the 80s and we lost an entire generation. And if you think about the artists that were lost and the creators and the small business owners and, you know, the doctors and the nurses and the scientists and the engineers, like, what did we not invent? What did we, what did we not cure? What did we, you know, not see performed because we lost all these people and and it didn't obviously just affect the the lgbt community you know it's it's it spiraled into other communities as well but primarily it was just it decimated the lgbt community from the gay men's perspective and it's it's i have such a debt to those people who came before us, right? The people from the generation who were at Stonewall, right? And, and the people Mm -hmm. who lived through the AIDS crisis to where literally every friend they have died. Um, Those are the people that we all owe, um, you know, that, that, that debt of thanks to say, you know, thanks for getting us here. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's huge. Absolutely huge. Um, You know, that's, that's one thing that I also wanted to touch on before we wrap up here. Um, you know, especially as we kind of mentioned, you know, you, you had that person come to you and asking about their, their, their child. Um, that's a huge issue within our community still, right? I think it's, I pulled the statistics um, before it's, it's basically members of our community are five times as likely to attempt suicide as their heterosexual counterparts. Right. I think that's that's something that we need to continue to talk about, especially in this age of bullying and cyberbullying. And there's a lot of conversation that's still happening around that, rightfully so. Forty percent of trans individuals have have admitted that they have attempted suicide. Right. Again, it's it's those mind-blowing things that I don't think are mentioned quite enough. 
right? As another statistic that I pulled, and I'm, I'm not a huge numbers person. I just, I just think it's important to bring these things up. Um, that this was from a 2013, uh, basically from 2013 data, which was the last time that it was pulled. Um, but 20% of all hate crimes were, were, were due to perceived sexual orientation. 20%. And 61% of those were against gay men. I, I still struggle with that. As, as a gay man, I'm sitting here and I, it, it, my, my eyes start to water a little bit when I start to read a lot of this stuff, right? It's, it's, still, a, it's still a thing, right? So I, I just want to throw that out there as we get ready to wrap up with, that, with this for everyone out there that's listening. To me, these are the reasons all the, st all the, the stuff that, that, that Bill just brought up about Stonewall and integration and all the, the battle that has been fought for the, the ground that we do have and the rights that we do have, um, all of this stuff that's still happening every single day, that's the reason. That's the reason for these conversations. That's the reason for pride, right? That, that's why we're having these conversations. That's, that's why, why pride is so important. Uh, and I think, again, I don't know what else to say about it. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little, little choked up here, Bill, to be, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, since your own numbers, um, I, mm -hmm. I too, you know, being the, the great safety person that I am, it's all about yeah. numbers, right? If we don't have data, it's hard <laughs> right. to justify things. And, and again, these are a couple years old also, but, um, 89% of LGBT employees say that conversations about social lives come up at least once a week in the workplace. Mm. And so if we're, if we're covering, right, if we're not sharing those things, then you're automatically in that uncomfortable zone when that happens. 54% yeah. um, of LGBT workers are not open to anyone at work and they're lying about their personal lives on a regular basis. 58% yeah. say that someone at work makes a joke or a derogatory comment about HBA, HBLT, HGBT people um, at least once in a while. So, um, and then 51% of the LGBT workers hide their identity to most people at work. So, you know, the, the workplace is still um, where the majority of us spend our time. The vast majority, yeah. And so yeah. if you're not comfortable being at work, if you're not out, right, then those kind of things still happen because, right. you know, people aren't making jokes about people of color in front of people of color. People aren't making jokes about LGBT people in front of LGBT people. Yeah. So it's our job to help fight that by being yeah. courageous and being brave and coming out and being vocal and being visual and being seen. Um, that's one of the ways that we can combat that and change it. And, and you're right about the children. Um, again, a huge thing is that the second leading cause of death for people aged 10 to 24 is suicide in the suicide. LGBT community. Yeah. Yeah, suicide. Yeah, and I, I encourage folks to always to go over and check out the Trevor Project. That's exactly that's where great, those numbers came from. Thing. Yeah. yeah, the Trevor Project is a great. I think it's Trevor Project. The Trevor Project .org, I think is what it is. Um, again, huge, huge resource. Um, I, I look back at even even my little small town that I grew up in, not that long ago. And when I say not that long ago, I mean a matter of six or eight months ago. Um, I was reading a story because I, I still keep up with the news, you know, back back in that little small, tiny little town, right? Tiny little town in southwestern Virginia, not West Virginia, southwestern Virginia. Let me let me put that out there really, really firmly. <laughs> but um, you know, I was reading this 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 story, and they they've just had this massive rash of, of suicide of at high school age 
children, right? And I'm going, oh, this is just, it's insane, right? But this last one that I'm reading that the, this, this, this young gentleman, he was just starting his life, right? 16, 17 years old and basically bullied. He'd come out, was bullied, took his own life, right? And you just, those stories are way too common, right? So again, the Trevor Project does, does amazing work. There's a lot of local organizations. I don't have them in front of me, but even here in Phoenix, there's a lot of one in 10, the one in letter N10 Foundation here in Phoenix does a lot of great work. Um, because again, uh, at that age, you know, I think back about it, if I would have came out at that age, I would have been, I would have been kicked out of my house, right? I absolutely would have been kicked out of my house. Um, and so fortunately, there's groups like one in 10 um, here in Phoenix that are a refuge for those, those kids, because that's what they are, they're kids. You know, when you're 16 years old and kicked out, you're still a kid. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of groups that take those, take those kids in and take care of them. It's just amazing work that they're doing. Unfortunately, it's needed but it's amazing work that they're doing. So I encourage folks to go check those things out, donate to them. That's one thing that they can always use um, is, is funding to help with their cause. So that's definitely something to check out. One in 10, um, the Trevor Project, there's lots and lots of other places that you can obviously obviously invest and, and help the community. Um, but yeah, yeah, excellent, excellent stuff. Um, I'll, let me ask you this, Bill, because I like to throw this out there. Uh, it's my, it's my, my, my kind of my, uh, my main question every podcast any final words, <laughs> any last words. And what I mean by that is, is anything out there, that, any words of wisdom, anything you'd like to leave folks with, any go-dos, any tips for folks out there? Um, just anything, just anything on your heart you want to share with folks out there? You know, I, I think um, there's, I think we really overcomplicate life. <laughs> and there's a couple of sayings, you know, number one is, help me be the kind of person that my dog thinks that I am. Yeah. And, um, you know, if, if you think about how we're perceived by the most innocent in this world and that being children and animals, um, that goes a long way. So, you know, when, when you're having a bad day or you're ha you're thinking certain thoughts or you're, you're putting yourself in a position that where you really kind of question your, your core values or your integrity, um, you know, think about how do your children see you? How do your nieces or nephews see you? How do your neighbor's kids see you? you know, think about those innocent people and how they perceive you as a human being. Um, and then try to emulate that in what you do in the world. Um, that goes a long way. And then, you know, the other thing is, is that like our grandmothers taught us, Treat other people like you want to be treated. And um, there was a video that I posted either on LinkedIn or Facebook the other day. And this video is several years old. I had seen it before, but it, it came back around because of what's going on in the world today. And it's a little girl who's probably about three years old. Um, and it looks like they're at a music festival. And um, she's with her young parents. They're black. And this little girl is just going around and hugging every single yeah, person that she sees. And you can just see the joy on everyone's face. Yeah. And, you know, the thing to remember is, is that that three-year-old little, three little girl has no hate in her heart whatsoever. None. And if we all were to go through the world like that little girl, you know, right. think about where exactly. we'd be. So I love it. That, that's, love it. Those are my closing words, I guess. I love it. And I, 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 it's exactly I, the only thing that I can say with that is that I find myself so much nowadays talking about the golden rule. And I'm, I'm just like you. It's, it's, it's neat. The similarities that we share, because 
I, I consider myself, I, I like to keep things simple. And for me, it's that simple is you treat people how you'd want to be treated. Yep. And, and, you know, especially in, in an hour in and around their community, that's what I, I share with people all the time is that, you know, if it's your son or your daughter, how would you want them to be treated at work? And that, that changes minds really quick. Something as simple as that, right. And changes minds pr pretty swiftly. And it's exactly that. How would you want to be treated and treat people how you want to be treated? That's just massive. Wow. I love it. I'm, not, I'm about to go watch that video again. Now that's yeah. such a good video. I love that video. <laughs> well, I've got to tell you, my friend, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I really can't. I, I greatly appreciate it. I'm so thankful that you. Well, you know, this is my first podcast. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh man, I've been, the, I feel I feel honored that 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 it was me. That's awesome. <laughs> well, there you have it. And let me start here. I know it was long, <laughs> right? I, I just didn't want to cut it in half, right? It was just too good of a conversation, too vital of a topic. I did not want to cut it in half. I'm just so thankful to Bill for coming on, for sharing that vulnerable moment with me, to have that conversation, to get that visibility that we so desperately need in and around our profession, in and around industry in general for the LGBTQ plus community. I would encourage you to head over. We mentioned it, head over to the trevorproject.org. They have a great mission. Uh, again, donate to those folks, head over to the Matthew Shepard foundation. That's one that is near and dear to my heart as well. You can contribute there. Uh, but I would also encourage you to look locally into your communities. Uh, and it's not just a money thing. There's a lot of organizations. I mentioned uh, one in particular here in Phoenix that, uh, that I think just does amazing work, which is one in the letter N 10 foundation uh, that does a lot for LGBTQ plus youth, uh, and especially those folks that come out and are kicked out of their homes and are basically forced to be homeless kids uh, because of their sexual orientation. Uh, so again, look around in your communities, see what you can do to help, uh, whether you're a member of the community or an ally, there's a lot of work to be done. I appreciate you tuning in. That's all I've got. I'm going to get out of here. Sam Goodman, the hot nerd signing off. Bye everybody. Bye. <laughs>